you know what the Lord was speaking to us Sunday, not disconnected to what He's spoken to us several times here, that the kingdom of God is the place of our salvation and it unfolds in a dimension that we're deaf to. Amen? That something has to happen in our lives that awakens us to a new level of consciousness toward God. Amen? Where the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. And I, I've shared this before, but in light of that message about awakening a new consciousness to live in a new dimension, the kingdom of God, can we just bear that in mind as I read over this scripture one more time? Amen. We can move on then. This is Paul to the Corinthians in the second chapter. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So he's already made a contrast, a juxtaposition between so-called wisdom and the crucifixion. He said, I didn't come to you with the excellency of, of men's speech and human wisdom, but I wanted to know Jesus and Jesus crucified among you. I was with you in weakness. So Christ, knowing Jesus crucified, was not merely remembering something as an abstraction or an accurate historical fact in the past, but Paul, knowing Jesus crucified among them, he wasn't just knowing it as an abstraction of the past or a historical fact. Paul, knowing Jesus crucified among them, meant that Paul was walking in that crucifixion. Paul was weak among them, just like Jesus chose to be weak. Amen? I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. You can see where the cross was, can't you? And my message and my preaching we're not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. We're going to see that the power of God is the wisdom of God. And it's a power that the wisdom of this world thinks is foolishness. Because it wins by laying down its life instead of grasping for its life. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. We do have a wisdom. This power of God, it is a wisdom. But it's not of this age, and it's not of the rulers of this age. So we might say, this kind of wisdom isn't how they ruled. They rule by coercion. That, that, that wisdom of the world that is based on the cleverness of outwitting death. The cunning of self-preservation that is based on envy and jealousy and competition. And its method is violence and coercion. Amen? That is the wisdom of this world. Would we agree with that? All of the wisdom in this world, whether you look at business and money, or you look at politics, or you look at war, or you look at, at, at any, anything, 
fashion, all of it, all of the things of this world, the things this world is known for, all of it is achieved through competitive wisdom. Does that make sense? Wisdom of grasping and competing and, and, and self-preservation is at the root of it all. But the wisdom of God is exactly the opposite because it's the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's the wisdom that says love is stronger than that and I can lay down my life. I can yield up my rights and I will win by losing. That's the wisdom of God. Amen. So he goes on. We do speak a wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. To them it looks like foolishness. This is crazy. Because it's God's wisdom in a mystery. What is a mystery? It's something that appears to be one way, but in fact it is another God's wisdom appears to be surrender and therefore a loss. But it's a wisdom and a mystery. Amen. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Christ crucified from the foundation of the world. I'll add right there. Amen. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. He's, he's boiling it down. He's going to tell us what this wisdom was. This wisdom that God predestined before the ages for our glory. When in the mind of God, Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. Amen? This wisdom, none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had seen the wisdom of God, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, but they didn't get the mystery. Amen. They didn't realize that in killing Jesus, they had taken the life of the only sinless man. They had thwarted their own rightful claim. They didn't realize that in dying and, and receiving the unjust death on the cross, he was going to make a public spectacle of them when he, res when he was raised from the dead and triumphed over them. Amen. They didn't realize that. If they had gotten it, they would have never crucified Him. Because it was their Achilles heel. It was how their whole kingdom began to come down. The wisdom, this wisdom, none of the rulers of this world understood. If they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written. Remember how I preface this. About this kingdom that exists in a dimension that the flesh cannot discern. Amen? Listen. Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. There is a storehouse of treasures, of wealth, a wealth of riches of goodness, of miracles, of victories. Amen? But eye has not seen it, ear has not heard it, and it hasn't even occurred to the mind of man what God has prepared when He said, In my Father's house 
are many mansions, but I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. He went on to say that the world would know when they came into this prepared place. The place is not just the sweet by and by. That wonderful, glorious place that he went to prepare is supposed to happen right here in the nasty now and now. Amen. When the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven. That prepared place is the body he has prepared to do his will, O God. Amen. That prepared place is the temple. Amen. That is being built together of lively stones in which we may offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Where I am, there my servant will be also. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen. You cannot come now, but you will come, he told them. You will go there. And they did. They went there. Amen. They went to that place in God when they entered that church which is heaven's embassy in this world under judgment. He didn't conquer the world, but He put an embassy here. And wherever there is an embassy, that embassy represents sovereign territory of the, of the, of the country who owns it. If there's a Russian embassy in this town, that embassy represents sovereign territory of Russia. And it is controlled not by the laws of this nation, but by the laws of Russia. It is Russia right there. And if you cross that threshold, you're in Russia, technically speaking. You're under Russia's jurisdiction. In the same way, the kingdom of God is heaven as an embassy on earth. And when you cross that threshold, you're in heavenly places. And listen to what he says. This, this wisdom, this glory that it was written about, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man. Because that which is born of flesh is flesh, right? And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So something's got to be born in us that can inherit this, these riches, these glorious treasures in this, this realm, this dimension that the flesh cannot relate to. For to us, God has revealed them. Notice he doesn't say, to us God will reveal them when we get to heaven. These things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor have they entered into the heart of man, they're not futuristic things. Yes, they will, we will see their fullness in heaven, but they are for now. They are not for the sweet by and by. They are for the nasty now and now. Amen? God has revealed them. Has God revealed these things to us? Jerusalem descending? Jerusalem coming down out of heaven? What does that represent? Amen. Who is Zion? Who is the, the, the Jerusalem from above? The church. That's what it says in, in Hebrews 12. You have not come to a mountain that may be touched. You've come to something that flesh and blood cannot inherit. That which is born of flesh is flesh, but you haven't come to a, a physical place. But what does he say there? You have not come to a mountain that may be touched. Amen. You haven't come to something that's... You have not come to a mountain that may be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that they, those who heard beg no further word be spoken. 
For they could not bear the command, if any, man touch, if any beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. You haven't come to that, he says. You haven't come to a mountain that may be touched. But you have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. Comma. The heavenly Jerusalem. He tells them, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You haven't come to a place that someday will end up in heaven. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is it. You have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. To the myriads of angels. To the general assembly. To the church of the firstborn. Who are enrolled in heaven. You're enrolled here on earth, but your enrollment is in heaven. You have come to God. Puts it all together. Comma, to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. You have come to Jesus. Look at all these things that he makes one in this passage in Hebrews 12. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkling of blood which speaks of better things than the blood of Abel. Because Jesus founded a new kingdom. Amen? Abel's death, Cain's jealousy, was the foundation of the old world. Jesus' death, Jesus' sacrifice, was the foundation of a new world, built on a new kind of wisdom. Amen? The wisdom of God in a mystery. And so he goes on here in 1 Corinthians. Here it is. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. God revealed them through the Spirit. How did He reveal them? It doesn't say to us, God will reveal them. These things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and have not entered in the heart of man. It doesn't say He will reveal them. It says He has revealed them. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This is why Nicodemus needed to be born again, you see. Even the deep things of God. For whom... For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. What he's saying is, we want to know God's mind, but we've got to have God's spirit. And when we have God's spirit, then we tap into that, that corporate mind that God is sharing with us. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given us by God. There are things which God has freely given, but that we don't know about. There are things which God has freely given that we don't know about. But it's only through the Spirit that we can know these things freely given by God. God has given us a kingdom. God has given us Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. What does that mean? It means that what holds this kingdom together are patterns of life that don't come from man or from below, but these patterns come down from God. Just like the pattern came to Moses from heaven, so the patterns have come down from God. The patterns that hold the kingdom together. Do you understand what I'm saying? What's an example of one of these patterns that comes from God? 
that I'm talking about. Marriage. Marriage is something that comes from God. When Jesus, who is the Logos become flesh, and who came from God, when He tells us that a man shall leave his mother and father, and a woman, her family, and the two shall become one flesh, and He says God hates divorce. Amen. And He gives us patterns. Well, right then and there, His kingdom is coming and His will is being done on earth, whereas yet no such thing as marriage had a place. The patterns that, de- de- that define the relationships between parents and children, those come from God. When Jesus says, you honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from God, Because you forsake the commandment of God and you teach people not to honor their parents. Do you understand? He's telling us that God's kingdom comes through the pattern of honor and obedience that is supposed to be present between parents and children. The first commandment with promise, honor your father and your mother. Amen? That it may go well with you in this kingdom that is from God. In this Jerusalem that is from above, that is descending. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me so far? When he speaks of the relationship that disciples should have toward their leaders, and he says, submit to those who have the rule over you. Be obedient to them. Amen? Let them them lead you with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. He is establishing a pattern And the kingdom is descending because it's not coming from the ideas of man. The the man has its ideas of what marriage should look like, doesn't it? That's the kingdom of this world. But if we found, if we've gone into that experience of the Spirit and God has enlightened our eyes to see things that flesh and blood cannot reveal, amen, and we have seen through Spirit and truth The framework coming together. We have seen how wives and husbands should relate. Amen? Does that come from this world? This world has has a pattern for that, doesn't it? Amen. Compete and compete alike. They set up rivalries between people. They don't recognize that we're distinct, that we have different gifts and responsibilities. Amen. The world has its pattern for marriage, doesn't it? That's the kingdom of this world. Amen. That's where Christ's work isn't. That's where His power is gone. That's where love dissipates. That's where relationships fail. That's where it doesn't work. Where love is made a mockery of. Amen. But there is a pattern given from God. Through His holy apostles. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being our chief cornerstone. And we're being built together as lively stones, but what joins us are these patterns of life. So He says, God's wisdom has given to us things that the natural mind and the natural eyes and the natural ears can't perceive. But, and He goes on and He says, For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. You can't get how you're supposed to be a father or a husband or a son or a disciple except through the Spirit. 
You got to get in the Spirit before you're going to get the truth that the Spirit teaches. You got to get in the Spirit before you're going to get God's perspective, God's mind on the matter. For to us, God has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We lose that spirit and we lose sight of what's been freely given to us by God. Things which we also speak. The things that are freely given to us, things which we speak, we confess, we claim, we see and we speak when the words we speak become spirit and life. Things which we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual truths with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Why is he himself appraised by no one? Because what's going on inside of a true Christian, a true follower of Christ, is a mystery to everyone. They don't get it. But we see what's going on around us, don't we? We do get them. (laughs) They don't get us. We've been in their shoes. They haven't been in ours. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he who is spiritual appraises all things. And yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He doesn't say I have it. He says we have it. Amen. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are are you not fleshly? Are you not walking as mere men? Now what did I say? This was a passage about two kinds of wisdom. The first kind of wisdom was built on what? Jealousy and strife. Competition and envy. Outwitting death and outwitting death to all our plans and our images. Amen? That's what keeps them held in bondage so that they can't see the things freely given them by God. What things would God speak to us? What would come to life in our life if we could just get into that place where we believe God, where we trust Him, And suddenly His Word begins to reveal to us those things freely given to us by God. God has victories for us in every sphere of life. But only through the Spirit can we know, can we discern the things freely given to us by God. Are they given? They're already given. 
It's like this cello that's standing here. Can you see this cello? Right here. Can't you see it? Here's the neck right here, the big one. Amen. Can you see this cello? No, you can't. How about now? Can you hear it? Ooh, it's a little out of tune. How about now? Can you hear it? Can you see it? Until you get the Spirit, the gifts of God are just that visible. You cannot know the things given to you by God. That freedom was there for you. God didn't create it. He, it was finished. It's the finished work of God. But you didn't know it was there the day before you found it. It was right next to you. It was there. But it was not there. There's a victory that's just that real in every sphere of our lives. You remember the story that Jesus tells when He said that in the last days men are going to be gathered before the throne of judgment and He's going to say to those people, I was hungry and you never fed me. I was thirsty and you never gave me a drink. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. I was sick. Amen. You didn't care for me. And those people would respond to God and say, when did this happen? You know what? I bet those people were sitting at home saying, I wish I had something to do for God. wish I had some purpose in my life. I wish I could go feed some people the gospel. I wish I could go clothe someone with the righteous acts of the saints. They were probably sitting at home complaining about the very things that in judgment they would be judged for ignoring. I said, when did this happen? Same thing with the righteous. He praises them for what they did and they didn't even know they were doing it. We don't know what things God prizes. Jesus said that which is highly esteemed by man is an abomination to God. But the things that are invisible to us, like this cello standing here, it may be a treasure, a gift that God has freely given, but that we don't know because we can't get in the Spirit to realize it. Amen? And the kingdom is as real as the patterns that hold it together. We can have Spirit, and we have to, and that's everything that I've been trying to say recently. But Spirit is only what animates the life in the city. The city has got to be built according to the patterns given by God on the mountain. Every aspect of that city, there is a pattern for God, from God for it. We've got to find those patterns and love them. We're not even going to see them. We're, we're not going to see that they're going to be right beneath our eyes and we're going to be blind to them. But we'll see those patterns that are freely given by God for the valuable things they are if we'll get right in. If we'll get into the heart of God, into the Spirit of God, amen? And once we see them and we love them, amen, who God, then something is going to start to come together. Amen. And we're going to start to live in this beautiful place, amen, where we're made, amen, He has raised us up together with Christ and caused us to sit in heavenly places with Him. This is past tense again. Paul's speaking in past tense. He has raised us up. Not He will raise us up, that too. But we're still in the middle of the first resurrection. He has raised us up. And He has caused, past tense, us to sit in heavenly places with Christ. 
When we were worshiping God and feeling His presence, we were sitting in heavenly places. Could you feel that? Could you feel it? Well, that's the same thing that's got to happen in every sphere of our lives. God, open my eyes to the works of your hands. Amen. And nations will come when they see that city on a hill. Amen. Starting to come together according to the patterns given by God on the mountain. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.